Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made is a Myth Make a Difference Together show, where we are chatting with business owners and entrepreneurs to learn their journey of building their business. And because we know that success in business doesn't come uh, alone and, and in isolation, we're taking some time to recognize the folks who have helped us along the way and and give them some shout outs and, and share the ways that they have helped us to build our business. Today, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us. My guest was part of a uh, 3,200-meter uh, relay team uh, in high school, and uh, she broke the school record for the fastest time. Her favorite thing to do in her downtime is to go to the beach uh, with her family and brunch with girlfriends. And she's most proud of creating something that has enough potential in the marketplace that she was able to get her business partner to join her on this adventure. It's my pleasure to welcome Megan to the show today. Hello, Megan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's start with um, having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, where you were born and live and your family and some of your hobbies. Yeah. Um, so I'm from northern Indiana. I grew up in Fort Wayne. Um, I went to college at IU, so down in Bloomington. Um, after college, I, I moved around a little bit and then ultimately landed back here in Indianapolis. Um, I've been here, I guess, ever since 2007 and uh, got married. So I married my husband, Peter, and I live in Westfield with our two kids. Uh, we have a daughter, Leah, uh, who will be seven, and a son, uh, Henry, will be nine, actually, this summer. So they keep us busy. Uh, we have a German shepherd, and um, yeah, we love we love Westfield. Fantastic. Well, we are neighbors. I'm, uh, I'm in Noblesville, but right on the Westfield border. <laughs> we are neighbors. We could have just met in person. It might have been easier. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? Um, yeah. So I don't know how funny it is. It was funny to me. But when I was growing up um, as a teenager, I was I was a little bit rebellious. Um, I've always been a risk taker, and um, I, I was always with my friends. I never wanted to be home. I was always on the go, and I think this really just gave my parents a run for their money. And um, so when my husband actually went to ask my dad's permission to propose, um, I, I guess I didn't realize how much of a run for, uh, their money I gave them, but my dad, you know, he immediately was like, you know, yes, of course. He's like, but man, if you have a daughter, good luck. She was a handful. <laughs> That's literally the first thing he thought of. And the only thing he said, and I was like, well, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> hey, Megan, tell us how did the business come about? And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? So I um, I worked at a dental practice here in Westfield, and, and um, I wasn't, you know, it was really more of a stepping stone uh, job for me, I thought at the time. I was looking at going back to school for education, and we were getting married, you know, it was kind of a personal transition time in my life. And so when I started working um, in this dental practice for, with my friend's husband, um, you know, I had a little bit of a different perspective when I started working in the practice than maybe some dental office administrators. And it was very clear to me that, you know, there were just so many 
nuances and inefficiencies within the practice and challenges with dental insurance, specifically when patients were asking, um, you know, me for advice or guidance on what to do because their dental insurance was changing. And so it was a little bit baptism by fire where I learned um, more the business side of of how to run a dental practice. And I, I stayed there much longer than really either one of us ever intended. And um, he, the the doctor opened a second practice. So I kind of helped with that business transition and just working with the patients and trying to help them solve a problem and come up with a solution for dental benefits was really, we really, you know, learned that cutting out the middleman in dentistry is really advantageous for patients and for, for, for the business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we kind of created this organic homegrown plan in the practice and started offering it to our patients. And it created this solution, you know, that, that ended up really working out so well, both for patients and for the, for the business. Um, and I, I'm not sure I would say I ever was like, yes, I'm confident this is something <laughs> that I can do. And, you know, this is, this is the time, but what I was confident in is that we, we had, the, I was confident in the solution. I was confident that this was a great solution for patients and for dentists and that, um, we had great experience and exposure to all different types, all different sides of the business, including the legislative side, which, um, you know, we're in a regulated space. And so we just had all of the pieces that are really necessary to do what we do really well. So I was confident in that. Uh, and then I had some cheerleaders behind me, namely I mean, <laughs> the dentist and my husband at the time really kind of pushing me forward. So I relied on their confidence and just kept putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about the company. What's what's the name? What do you guys do? How do you help people? Yeah, it's called Plan Forward and it's a SaaS software that we ha- um, offer to dentists So our customer is the dental practice, and they use our software um, to offer subscription plans to uninsured patients. So the plan itself is what we help the the dental office create and price and give them marketing materials and training and kind of support them getting it off the ground. And then our software is really the the engine that white labels all of this for the practice and um it it runs the subscription if you will within the dental practice fantastic and for those listening if you're not sure what SaaS is it's software as a service so think of you know software programs that are sold like a product except it's yeah. software right yes exactly so once we implement the the practice and they start using our software it's kind of a continual relationship um, as long as we're do- doing our part and the patients are happy, um, we, we're pretty much stuck together. Awesome. So you mentioned this already a little bit, but tell us a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even Absolutely. though maybe you weren't sure that you could and the impact that that person had on you. Yeah, um, there was one. So we're five years in, about five and a half years in, and there was one specific quarter that was just really, really hard. And um, I remember we were at the very end of our cash flow. Um, our pipeline, you know, wasn't looking super strong. Our our prospects were also facing lots of challenges themselves. And so our sales cycle was taking longer than it ever had before. And it was just, it was a struggle. And at that time, I really 
I didn't know the answer and I didn't, I couldn't see the business surviving truthfully. Mm. And I was in a meeting with our, um, my two closest advisors, um, Mike Reynolds and Scott Craigie. And, um, I remember that, I mean, I was terrified and I could tell that they, they knew I was terrified. And so they were like, well, you know, what's the absolute worst case scenario? Mm. And I was like, well, we have to shut this down. Like we're done. And they were like, okay, well, let's talk through that. And so we did this like visualization and we went through this exercise of the absolute worst case scenario and the steps that, you know, would have to be taken and how we would actually shut the business down. And after going through that process, it almost like removed the fear Mm. of, I mean, it was still a, a terrible time, but it was like just going there and talking it out loud helped to kind of allow myself to look past it. And so once we did it, um, they were like, okay, well, how do you feel? And I I was like, well, it was awful, but I'm not ready to be done yet. Like I still want to keep going. And so they're like, okay, well, what, you know, they, then what was next was what are the hard decisions that need to be made right now quickly mm. to survive? And that was not a fun process, but it was like, this has to be take, this has to be done or else this worst case scenario is going to happen. And so I think, you know, it it was absolutely the hardest time as a, as a business leader, but it was such a moment of growth Mm. and just such a a powerful moment from just a leadership perspective. And, you know, it's just, it's part of the territory. Wow. I, I love that idea of what's the worst case scenario so that you can, you can just experience it, right. And live it a little bit and, and see what that's going to feel like. That's a, that's a great exercise. Yeah. I mean, it's hopefully you're visualizing positive experiences too, (laughs) like thinking about what's the best case scenario to to like help motivate you to get there. But at the same time, sometimes you have to do, you have to go the other way too, to understand that, the world will still keep spinning and, you know, there, there you have choices. Yeah. Well, to build on your point, that that's an exercise that we typically do with our clients. What's the worst case? What's the best case? What's yeah. the most probable? All right. So now down that you've, you know, you've had those emotions. Now let's move forward with the most probable, right? And, yeah. and put strategies in place to mitigate against the, the worst case. Yeah, absolutely. So what's been your biggest learning as a business owner? Um, don't let yourself get too high and don't let yourself get too low. Mm. Um, and I think that, so I work with a professional coach as well. And, um, I think we discovered in one of our more recent meetings that I think that's almost like a survival tactic that also sometimes can work against you because you don't necessarily let yourself feel the highs and lows and kind of process those emotions and um, somebody, I was on a flight literally the day before we started Plan Forward and like the day before day one of doing this. And um, this guy on the, on the flight was an entrepreneur. And he said, I think this was like, you know, an intervention, a higher power like put this guy <laughs> next to me. And he said, the first two years are going to be brutal. Mm. Just get through the first two years. And I never forgot that. And so I allowed myself to not have any work-life balance, to just go all in for the first two years. Um, And so I did that. And then it was don't get high, don't get too low. And I think that was kind of the survival mechanism that allowed 
um, myself and the people around me to like keep pushing this thing forward until it kind of got started to get some legs. Um, but I think the other biggest thing that for me, I'm, I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. I've become less of one, Um, (laughs) but it's also the, uh, the biggest learning is not everyone is going to understand your decisions and not everyone's going to agree with them and not everyone's going to like you and you have to be okay with that. And that's okay. Yes. You know, it's, it's yeah. complicated. Yes. What's the famous uh, saying? Other people's opinions are none of my business. <laughs> exactly. That's absolutely <laughs> true. It's like something that, you know, I think Sometimes, especially for people pleasers, that's a hard thing to remember. It is, yes. And you mentioned the the emotional, the, you know, the ups and downs. I I call that the emotional roller coaster, right? It's. Yeah. Um, I've been in this uh, mindset uh, coaching program for about two years, and and one of the things that that we learn in that is our feelings are real. They just may not be the correct feelings because they're tied to a false belief. Right? Yeah. So yeah. if we if we believe, you know, sometimes we as business owners, we can get caught in the the wheel of oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable, I'm not going to be able to figure this out, right? And yeah. like, well, no, that's those aren't true because look at the things I've done in my past, right? Yeah. So now we can change that feeling, right? And it smooths out that roller coaster ride a little bit more. Yeah. Well, an imposter syndrome is so real, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially if. You're someone like myself who I never aspired to be an entrepreneur. I never thought I would ever own my own business or take this leap. And so to to just kind of find myself in this position and and growing and it's working and, you know, to then have to continue to kind of find that confidence and yes. tell myself, like, yes. I've earned this seat at the table. And, <laughs> right? you know, yes. it, it's hard. Yes. And it doesn't help when. Of course, everybody on social media only puts their their best foot forward, right? So definitely, I've I've heard a lot of folks say, "Hey, Tim, it, you know, we do events where we bring business owners together, and they get to share some of those realities." And they're like, "Oh my goodness, I thought I was the only one that yeah. thought that way or struggled with that, and now that I've heard that everybody in the room does, it's just this big sense of relief of." Oh, so we're kind of all in this together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that's that's another thing, a learning, you know, have other founders and CEOs, you know, in your circle because um, it's it's hard, you know, it's lonely at the top, as they say. It is. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so, Megan, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So kind of building off of what you just said, yeah. tell us about um, if it's the same story, then we'll, we can skip through this. But what's the biggest challenge you had um, as a, a founder over the years? And, yeah. and um, who's somebody that came alongside of you and helped you to get through that challenge? Yeah, Um well, ironically, it's the same advisor. Um, obviously, he's had a big impact in 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 helping you know plan forward, get to where it is. But a couple years ago, we went through a company recap, and um, it was basically you know changing the ownership structure of the company um, from when it was originally founded. And as you can imagine. Um, that's a really hard thing to do. We had investors, we had, you know, founders, business partners, you know, there were a lot of people that had different perspectives and, um, this, you know, Scott, my advisor was able to help me walk through, 
you know, and, and filter these different scenarios and talk through, you know, and take emotion out of it mm-hmm. and, and help, you know, and help kind of, um, shepherd me through that process with, with doing the recap. And, um, he also had a, a loud voice at the table, you know? And so, um, I think going through that experience and I mean, it was every bit of a five or six month process mm. that was just incredibly stressful. Um, but, you know, I, I think going through that, having Scott, having a professional coach um, that I work with, my husband, you know, those are some of the the, the core people that um, at the end of the day, I don't I don't know if I would have been able to to push through that process with without those people. Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned earlier it being lonely at the top and having these decisions that, you know, we've never faced before and having to sort through them. So it's great to hear that you've had, you know, people that you could rely on to to think things out loud. Because oftentimes that's the that's really the the best part of it is right, be able to bounce some ideas out loud and get other people to pick it apart and 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 flip it around on us and you know everything that we need is really inside of us, but we don't always know and appreciate that. Well, and another thing I think at least for founders who end up taking outside capital, um, sometimes your advisors are your investors and Mm -hmm. it can be hard to share the, the things that terrify you and the scary stuff and the bad stuff with the people that also invested in the company right. and <laughs> had confidence to to support you. And so um, while they, I, I think most investors understand, you know, especially if they were founders at one point or an operator, um, you know, they expect you to have that and they want to hear that. But from, from my seat, it can be really terrifying to really open up and to be honest about what's going on right. <laughs> get, to get the help that, you know, in the direction that you might need. Yes. Hey, folks who given me all your money, I just uh, made a bad decision and lost some of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's a great way to get your board to, uh, you know, to question your leadership real quick. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Uh, three people that uh, in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for being there um, to help with your growth. Who are those three people and how they help you? Mm. Well, it would be an absolute miss if I didn't say my husband. Um, And not because he's my husband, but he literally, you know, we have two small kids. We started this when they were one and three. And so financially, you know, he's helped back the business and the family. And emotionally, he's, you know, held me up when I, you know, maybe wasn't at my best and just literally taking care of the kids when I was all in on the work. So, I mean, he's hands down the one that deserves, you know, all the credit to, to be fair. Um, but in, in the business world and the business community, you know, people outside of my family, um, Scott Craigie uh, is absolutely, uh, you know, number one. Um, these are all number one. Um, Mike Reynolds and really Lacey Levies at Innovate Map. Um, Innovate Map has just been a huge, huge supporter and cheerleader of of us. They've you know done a lot of work with us. But not only you know am do I love working with them. They're friends at this point, and um, they really just support. They've supported me and the business even when I'm not working with them. You know, I know I can call and um, and th- they're going to help however they can. Um, and I think the third one is um, Jenny Vance. 
She was, uh, she's still in Indianapolis. She's been a huge member of the entrepreneurial ecosystem here. And she's just a sales guru or, or a revenue generation guru, growth guru. Um, and she was someone who I connected with early on when I, we had our, our MVP and I was like, okay, how do you build this thing? And I had no idea. So I combed LinkedIn to find someone local who I was like, I want to meet that person to figure out how to sell. And that person was Jenny Vance. And luckily we had a mutual connection. They put us in touch. We met at the speakeasy and, um, she, not only did she impress me from day one, but, um, she championed me personally as mm-hmm. you can do this. You're, you know, I, I see this business having value. You know, I can see you being a leader, have confidence. And so even still to this day, if I'm having a really challenging, you know, if I'm going through a difficult decision, she's my first phone call um, because she's someone who I, I can be totally my authentic self and she'll give me the goods, the bads and the uglies. So, <laughs> yes. um, she, she's also, she's probably the other one on that list. That's awesome. I love that you mentioned be your authentic self. So it takes away a lot of stress to to not have to, you know, dress up in a certain way or pretend to be a certain person, right? And there's there's just not enough time and and energy when you're in a startup mode, right? To yeah. to be faking it, right? You've got to be all in just doing what's required. So that's awesome that you've got people that you can you can just be your true self with. Yeah, I, I mean, truly, there's there's no other way to do it. To your point, there is not enough time um, to even consider, you know, being someone else. You're just all in all the time. Yeah. As you think about the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face to in getting to your goals? And who are the types of people that you'll need to help you solve those problems? Um. I, I I can feel it and I, I believe we're at just this kind of this critical scale point. And um, the thing that makes the engine move is people and the team. And we are at this point where we're going to be adding to the team. And it, it's it's all about the onboarding and the training and, you know, making sure you're hopefully vetting people and getting, getting the right people on board that want to be here. But also, I think it, there's pressure too in you know, people are people, people mm-hmm. are complex. It's hard, you know, it, as a, as a leader, it's, you know, you want to build a good culture and you want this to be someplace people want to be. Um, and there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So I think for me specifically, um, or I have a co-CEO now who, you know, which is just, has been an amazing experience, but I tend to focus more on internally in the business and the operations. So I'm heavily involved when people, you know, join the team. And so I just feel that obligation and, um, you know, desire to create something great that people want to be a part of. Um, But I think that people are the biggest challenge. So I think building the team over the next three to five years and really making sure that um, the company is what, what, you know, we hoped it would be from the beginning um, is going to be one of the biggest challenges. I like your perspective of having a place that people want to be a part of, right? Creating that culture that folks enjoy and they tell others about because um, at the end of the day, we, we spend a lot of time at work and so having it be something that we look forward to doing and something that we enjoy and that we have 
relationships and friendships at work and right and we agree, we are we agree with the the bigger goal or the bigger purpose of the organization is we all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves and and so i love that you're that you're intentional about creating that environment and that culture and and bringing the right people on board because we've all had experiences where we've brought on the wrong people right and yeah. and realize oh that 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 was that's not a good cultural fit that's right and it's like oh go back to your you know interview questions and you know try to add some more uh-huh. to kind of, what did we miss here you know how did we miss the boat you know i think everyone's been in that situation and so just trying to do a good job, you know, up front too, of, of bringing on the right people, because not only is it, you know, it's a risk to culture, but it's also so expensive and time consuming when you do bring on the wrong people. Um, You know, anyway, enough said, but actually I did want to add, I use that to, with my kids to, to try to motivate them. I mean, they're little still, but (laughs) they're like, mom, do you have to work still? When are you going to be done working? And I'm like, listen, this is why it's important to do really good in school and do your best because you're going to have to work when you're done with school. You want to do a job that you want to do. You know, you want to be able to choose the kind of job you want to do. That's awesome. (laughs) There you go. Right. (laughs) Being able to, to use the same examples in two different, you know, in your two different lives. That's, that's very efficient. Right. I'm all about efficiency, efficiency and scalability. <laughs> Last question, Megan. Um, yeah. Jim Rohn, awesome uh, business guru and and author. Uh, one of his quotes is, "We become the average of the five people we spend the most time with." So, as you think about that, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for for business owners and founders and um, entrepreneurs who are trying to do it on their own, who think that they they can't ask for help, they shouldn't ask for help, they just got to do it themselves? Yeah. Um my biggest advice is stop trying to do it by yourself. And I, I mean, literally from early on, um, my advice, you know, we were thinking about and looking for really a co-founder or a co-CEO because especially, and and we get pushback on that sometimes and people question, how does this co-CEO model thing work? And there's a great article by Mark Benioff about the co-CEO model. And especially at our stage, it's so it's been so amazing. So I would recommend specifically for for that kind of that startup phase or when you're going through kind of the capital raise before you're maybe profitable that two CEOs is so amazing because you tend to be doing two full-time jobs anyway on top of a personal life if you have any, you know, if you have a personal life at that point, but you know, one person to work outside of the business and on the business strategically and the other person to really work in the business and manage the business. It is just, it's, it's made a world of difference and it's allowed me um, to take this, this job and, you know, that's really become more than a job that's stressful and it's anxiety provoking. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, heavy emotions and thoughts that go into, to trying to grow something, but it's taken that and it's made it something that really is like fulfilling because I have a business partner mm-hmm. that, you know, is in it with me 110%. And so maybe it's not doing a recap, bringing somebody in and having a co-CEO, but, you know, having that person that's in the the trenches with you and mm-hmm. as dedicated and invested as you are, 
it like it just divides the the weight of it all and it it somewhat allows you to to just enjoy it a little bit more and when i talk to entrepreneurs who are at my similar stage or people that i've met who um you know where we kind of all started together almost everyone is like where did you find your co-CEO? How did you find your co-CEO? I've, I've been thinking about something like that a lot, or I want to bring on a, a COO, you know, yeah. somebody who's in it with them. And I would just, I wouldn't hesitate. It has been the best decision um, that that we could have made for the business. That's fantastic. You've also um, talked a lot throughout this uh, interview about your outside counsel and advisors and stuff. So um okay. Just share a little bit more about the value that they've brought to you guys. Oh my gosh, immense value. Um, you know, advisors, I, I think select them wisely and choose. I got advice at one point, you know, choose an advisor for kind of each area of the business. Mm. And when you think of the different functional areas of the business, pick someone who's done it before and is ahead of you because they just have such insight into what you will likely be facing and they'll, they'll, they've been there. And so, um, from formal and informal advisors, um, you know, I just, there's no way that you can be prepared for everything you're going to face. And when you are faced with these difficult challenges, you usually need answers quickly. (laughs) <laughs> you have to be able to pick up the phone and talk to someone who's got some context about you and the company and maybe where you've been and where you're going so that they can help guide you um, or at least give the best you know recommendation that they can. If you're coming in cold, no, you know, the person doesn't know you at all. <laughs> right. It's, harder, yes. it's gonna be harder to get good advice from somebody because they don't really know the situation. <laughs> yes. It, uh, you made it that gave me an, a picture in my head of you know, when you call IT, you know, for a problem, right? So if the plane is, you know, is diving, what you don't want the person on the other end of the lines, well, have you plugged it in, right? Have you exactly, exactly? I need you to be where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Where's the extra engine? Right. Exactly. It sounds like you've had um, some incredible people in your your journey so far that uh, you've been blessed to have um, walking this journey with you. If they were all on the show here today, what would you want to say to them? Thank you. Um, Please don't leave my side. (laughs) (laughs) This is, you know, we're not stopping. It's not going to get any easier. If anything, you know, the problems are going to get bigger and the decisions are going to get heavier. And, you know, I need every single one of you who've, who've, who've been there and thank you to the people that are to come. I mean, really, it's all about that. Fantastic. Well, it has been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made as a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread this movement by liking the show and uh, posting it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and I'll see you all next time. Take care.